recently watched of Peter. I don't know if you've watched The Chosen. I'd strongly encourage it. And if you've watched it once, watch it again. Um, one of the episodes, it's Peter. He has not been called to follow Christ yet, and he is indebted to Rome, and he is trying to get his taxes paid, and so he's about to be sent to prison if he doesn't pay his taxes, and so he's out there all night long fishing, and no fish are coming in, no fish are coming in, and he's cursing God. God, you said, you said you'd be faithful to your chosen ones. You'd be faithful to us. You'd be faithful. You'd be faithful. He's cursing God again and again. He fishes all evening, finally comes to shore in the morning, and there Jesus is teaching a crowd of followers. And Jesus in that moment says, hey, push out a little bit, cast your net on the other side, right? You know the story, how it goes. It's... His net is filled with fish to the point where the, the boats themselves can't keep, keep the fish. They're sinking as well, right? And it's in that moment that's, at least by way of the chosen's narrative, right, all his debts are cleared because Jesus came and did the miracle for him. You may be in that season out on the water all night. You're fishing, and he ain't catching anything. Nothing seems to be changing. God, maybe you're cursing God. <laughs> Christians do that sometimes, you know, cursing God. But he is faithful. He is always faithful. Let's just, let's just put it straight. God is the one who keeps his promises. It's the enemy who is a murderer and a liar from the beginning, right? Those are the distinctions. Jesus, God keeps his word. The enemy is the liar. So may you be encouraged even by the songs that we've sung uh, this morning, that God keeps his word. He will not fail you, no matter if you've been fishing all night long. Uh, this morning, you may hear, I am not feeling good, and I'm not feeling good. Um, but so you know, I took the COVID tests and all that kind of stuff, and everything's good. Um, so our whole family is out. Everybody's sick. Trinity's the only one who's somehow escaped it. Um, so God's grace is on her life for some reason. Um, but uh, I am tired, and I battled through the night with sickness. So uh, we may keep this brief. Um, We'll jump into a handful of texts in just a moment, uh, but before we do that, I want to I wanna just ask, how are we doing? We've been going through this series on like how to unbusy our lives, and I just want to, like, we have to slow down because we've been like laying spiritual discipline after spiritual discipline in your lap from week to week, and I just want to be like, how you do it, right? Because we don't want to be those who hear God's word and don't do it. Right? We want to be seeking to practice in some way uh, or another. Um, we don't want to be given, as we've said, to spiritual insanity. Like We just keep everything normal, but we keep expecting different results. Oh, if I could just have different results. If I could just have different results. Well, that's spiritual insanity because something has to change. We have to do something different in order to experience the life that God uh, has promised to us. And so how are we doing with these spiritual disciplines? We've considered, just in review, we've considered solitude. Remember, it's the act of intentionally uh, 
unplugging from life in order to plug into Jesus. It's going to that desert place, that lonely place where all you got is your own thoughts, your own demons, and you're there to battle through them, battle through that affliction until you come to that place of connection uh, with Jesus. How have you been doing? Uh, personally, this is my road. I'm just going to be like, hey, here's how I'm doing. Uh, I just want you to consider, how, how are you doing? Are you putting things into practice? What, what I've been doing personally is uh, taking 10 minutes. 10 minutes. 10 minutes to disconnect from everything. Like, I'm just stepping away from all the noise and chaos. And it usually takes about 10 minutes just to calm my inner thoughts down. <laughs> So Jody and I have both been saying, well, good grief, we probably should add another 10 minutes to that just so we can listen in to the Lord, uh, because it takes that long to just unwind. And maybe that'll take more for you, um, and that's, that's okay. But the question is, are you doing something? Are you putting something into action? We also then considered Sabbath. Remember, Sabbath is where we put a full-on stop to life in order to rest in the Lord. Um, God intentionally wove that day of rest into all of creation as a gift to man. He wants to bless us by saying, stop, <laughs> stop and rest in me. So as a family, this has only been two weeks, but we've tried doing a 24-hour thing, and it is hard. <laughs> it is absolutely hard because you got to prepare for it. You got to have everything ordered and ready, ready to go for a 24 period where, yeah, you're, you're doing some work in terms of, you know, staying busy doing things. But the busyness that you're doing is, as we've said as a family, is we want whatever we do to be delight in the Lord, right? So if we're going to eat, we're going to eat to delight in the Lord. If we're going to sit back and rest and read, let that reading be delight in the Lord. If we're going to take a walk together as a family, it's going to be delighting in the Lord. We just want to have this posture of delighting in the Lord. It has been hard. The first week was interrupted uh, by actually someone who is on their deathbed. So it's like, okay, oh, well, well, Shabbat has ended. All right, got to gotta roll. Um, and then this, this past week, obviously, was uh, we, we have this new little puppy in our family. So that has become an endless work as well as just feeling sick. And so you're just like, okay, this doesn't feel like rest at all, but we're doing it, right? And just trying to create some sort of rhythm in our life for Sabbath. Um, also then, last week was simplicity. Simplicity is the, uh, the act of decluttering our stuff in order to kind of be streamlined into God's kingdom purposes. Actually, when I began studying for this sermon series, simplicity was where Jody and I began. We saw our home is... like we, if, if we have a day off, it's usually given to rearranging the stuff that we have. And so it was like, I don't want, I don't want that. The, the days off need to be utilized for other things besides just rearranging, literally rearranging stuff. Uh, put this, you know, this Rubbermaid on top of that Rubbermaid and organize it this way and put this stuff into that. And, and before you know it, a week and everything's out again and it's a mess. And so you're always rearranging stuff. And so uh, we began cutting down even as I started studying for this sermon series. That's where we began. I got to cut out stuff. We want to be nimble, if you will. As a family, I told Jody, let's be nimble. If God would say, hey, this direction, that direction, do this, go there, do this, right? We want to be nimble. We don't want to be all kind of bogged down in clutter. I got to deal with all these things before I can even get to the very thing that God's calling me to. I don't want stuff in the way of the kingdom. 
I want to be nimble, ready to pivot as God says, go here, go there. I don't want to have to give time to things and stuff, the clutter. And so we've been working on that. How are you doing? How's it been going for you? Are you putting it into action? Again, we don't want to just be hearers of his word. We want to be doers. God is blessing for you in just taking simple, simple steps in applying these things to your life. Now, with all that said, I want to throw another discipline on you. <laughs> all right, so here, here's another thing, if you will, to be doing, to be applying to your life and um, in, in simple form. Don't, don't try to take on this huge burden. Remember, we should be hearing as these spiritual disciplines are being spoken. We should be hearing Jesus in the background saying, come to me. That's the point of the disciplines. It's just responding to that gracious, kind request from Jesus. Child, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you'll find that he's gentle and lowly in heart. These disciplines, I hope, are not just burdens to you. Oh, more stuff to do because this is religious things. No, no, no. This is what Jesus is calling us into so we might find rest for our souls and connection uh, with him. So this morning, uh, this might be a little different. It is the discipline of slowing, the spiritual discipline of slowing. Now, you're not necessarily going to see those terms in Scripture, right? You're, you, you, you can see them kind of in the early church and through church tradition. You can see this discipline of slowing that different ones will write about and talk about. Uh, what is the discipline of slowing? Uh, John Ortberg, and I, I throw these names out there because I really just want you to be able to be like, hey, I, I know that name, and that, might, that guy might be interesting to Google and you know, read through some of his articles. There's resources behind the quotes that we give you, and so that's part of the reason for throwing them up here is so that you see different names and maybe as you have time, go check them out. So John Ortberg, he writes this, the discipline of slowing is the act of cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. <laughs> How does that go over for you? Huh? To wait. Like to, to be like, I'm going to intentionally, intentionally decide to wait for something. Instead of just hurrying through, get it done, get it done, get it done, move it or lose it kind of mentality, it's to slow down and actually intentionally pick the slow lane. Boo. <laughs> that is nothing that is natural to me, right? But this discipline of slowing is all about cultivating that patience and actually choosing the different aspects of life in which we would have to wait. Why would we do that? Why would we choose to wait? We want to develop ways, right, to step out of the anxious pace of life. We want to, we want to step out of that. Remember, as we've um, defined busyness, busyness is not just like a lot of things to do. It's that inner condition of the heart, right, that's anxious, it's got to go. It's got to move. 
right? And, and that's oftentimes then um, accompanied by the fatigue. We, we want to deal with the inner stuff that's going on. So when I intentionally decide to do something that is going to cause me to wait, what I'm doing is warring against that anxious pace of life. My, my wife will often tell me, uh, most often going down the boulevard, she'll say, Dan, you're speeding. And my response to her is, I'm, I'm just keeping up with traffic, right? I'm just keeping up with traffic. The sad thing is that's really the, the way many of us live life. The pace of life is fast because we're just keeping up with life. This is the pace of life, so this is my pace. We naturally keep in pace with the speed of our world, and it's important for us to step out of that pace of life, that way of life, and join, if you will, the pace car Jesus. You know, when you think about the, the lap, you know, this is more of a southern thing probably, right? When, when you think about Daytona or, you know, the, you, you got the cars running around and there's an accident, and so the pace car comes out in front and slows everybody down. And in those moments, you know, these cars are revving their engines. They're keeping their tires warm by going back and forth, and you're, you're, they're just itching, ready as the pace car exits to blaze forward again. The point is, is that Jesus is our pace car, and check it out, he never exits. He never exits. He's our pacekeeper for life. It doesn't mean that life won't at times go quick, and we need to be moving, but it is to say Jesus is the pace car, and so this whole idea of slowing is actually our way of saying, I don't want to be giving to the pace of the world. I want to be given to the pace of my Jesus. That's the whole idea behind this discipline of slowing. Uh, now, since it's all too easy to live at the pace of this like impatient world, um, I, I want to just throw at you a few ways that are just pra practical, simple steps that you might want to consider to apply this discipline of slowing. So here's a handful of them, and there's far more. This is just some of the stuff that I've taken from a few of the books that I've been reading through. Deliberate ways to slow down. First and foremost, as I said, choose to drive in the slow lane. Right? War against that inner rush by just saying, okay, I'm just going to stay in the slow lane. All right? Second, make full stops at stop signs. <laughs> That's, that is just not Philly. That is not Philly, right? Or third, intentionally get in the longest checkout line. Yeah. Oh, my. Just the Walmart on Adams Ave. You know, you got plenty long lines to choose from. Or how about this? Take 10 minutes of solitude before entering work or heading home from work. Yes. That was something that... Um, that I've done in the past, just like I need to slow down before heading home. To slow down my head, my heart, because I, I got stuff. I got people to serve once I get home. It's a slow down. Also then shut down your phone at night and keep it off till after morning, uh, after you get up in the morning, right? 
So it's just simple way. And there's a thousand other ones, right, that we could add to this. And you may say, you may say okay, I'm, I'm reading that stuff. That doesn't look very spiritual, right? You may see those as gimmicks, just kind of self-help gimmicks. But again, these are simple steps that are to be taken with the aim to war against that inner busyness so that we might then connect with Jesus so that his life, again, might be formed in us. We want to, if we could say it this way, we want to sanctify the present. Too often we're moving from the past to the future, and the present is just the busyness of going. We want to slow down to actually like see life, to take in life, to connect with Jesus, to foster something of his character being patience within us. We want to sanctify the present so that those particular things are not gimmicks for just an easier life, a more patient life, but it's about simple disciplines for a godly life. That's the aim, to be godly, to connect with Jesus, right? Now, secondly, as we're kind of, what is this discipline? Second, how is slowing this discipline seen in Jesus' life and, and ministry? I want to get to a few texts to just talk through how we see this in the life of Jesus. Um, there are a number of points in Jesus' life and ministry where he stops, right? Where he stops, where he waits, where he actually slows down. And some of those things we've already seen within our series, uh, it's something of a, we could say that this discipline is something of a subset to the previous disciplines being that of solitude in Sabbath. Uh, to slow down is just getting more practical in the daily stuff of life. Um, but, but a handful of passages. We could go, for instance, to Matthew 4, like we've seen before. Matthew 4, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter then came. It's solitude, like we've talked about, but what Jesus is also doing here is slowing. He's slowing his life down, not only by taking 40 days away from the rat race of life, right? Not only taking 40 days of solitude, but notice he fasts. Why do we fast? There's obviously a whole theological answer to that. But one of the reasons that we fast is so that we slow down. We're intentionally keeping nutrients from our body so we can't do much. That's the whole point of fasting. It would be interesting. I won't do it. But it'd be interesting to go around and say, how many of us have done the spiritual discipline of fasting, right? I mean, not because you're trying to lose weight either, but because you're saying, I want to go after the Lord. And fasting is one way to slow myself down, to withhold from food that I may apprehend Christ, to give up physical food that I might feast on spiritual food. Right? The fasting, it's not only that Jesus was going away for 40 Days and nights, right? He's taking time away to slow himself down, but it's also in some sense by way of fasting that he is slowing. He can't do all the things that he is 
intended uh, to do within his ministry. He first must go to the wilderness. Uh, Take another example, uh, Mark chapter 6. The apostles, Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 31. uh, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place. There's solitude again, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to what? Eat. Ministry can be busy. And, and don't just think, oh, well, the disciples had you know, busy ministry. I just have life. No, your life is ministry as a Christian, right? And so if your life is busy, well, hey, there is reason to slow down. Jesus is seeing their condition, and he's saying, hey, it's time to rest. It's time to pull away from the crowds. It's time to pull away from the busyness and get some rest. The, the disciples actually had been ministering to others. If, if you see in the... Um, Earlier in that chapter, uh, it is that I just lost my, my place here. Uh, the disciples have gone out and they've been uh, casting out demons and healing the sick and um, doing all that kind of good stuff. And so, of course, crowds are gathering. Um, but there was a clear recognition, at least from Jesus' perspective, that they needed to slow down in in order to be a sustainable sacrifice for the Lord. Do you catch that? They had to slow down. They had to choose the slow lane, so to speak. They had to choose to rest. They had to choose the things that, that would cause them to actually wait a bit in order for them to actually be a sustainable sacrifice of ministry unto the Lord. You can't just keep the pace. There has to be times where I'm choosing to slow down, get in the slow lane, take it easy for a bit. If we would go on a little bit further, we see also in Jesus' life, there were moments in Jesus' life, um, for instance, in John 4. Remember, Jesus himself had been ministering and then traveling, and so in John 4, it is that familiar passage of the woman at the well. And while the disciples took off into the city to get food, what does Jesus do? He stays at the well and sits. He sits at the well. Weary as he was, he sat at the well. John chapter 4, verse 6. In this case, like the slowdown for Jesus became the place of ministry. You catch it? So the previous situation with the disciples is that he took them out of ministry to slow down to sustain their sacrifice of ministry. But now Jesus in John 4 is slowing down because in the slowdown there is ministry. See that? He sits, he slows down. He waits at the well while the disciples continue to go into the city. And there is a remarkable moment of ministry. The slowdown became the place of ministry. It became the place of sacrifice. That is, without the slowing, we can miss God. You can find God, as we've said before, in anything. You can miss him in everything. Without the slowdown, we miss ministry. We can miss 
manifestations of the power and presence of God should we not slow down. There's another story. I'm just going to keep pumping them out there. Uh, John 11, familiar passage. Lazarus, you remember, he is sick. He is ill. He is ready to die. And Jesus, does he just immediately go to Lazarus? Oh, we got to help this guy out. No, it's a slowdown. Jesus waits two more days before going to care for his friend. And by the time he actually decides to go to Lazarus, it's been four days since Lazarus has passed away. Jesus waited. Why did Jesus wait? Why did Jesus choose the slowdown? Well, John chapter 11, verse 4 says, It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified. So what's the point? What's the point to this? Well, you can pass right by divine moments, glory moments. You can miss glory, if you will, in the hurry of things. Oh, I just got to go. I got to respond. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. But the slowing is what actually then brought about this glorious moment where you know from the story, Lazarus is raised from the dead. It's simply to say that hurry doesn't determine that you will have good outcomes. Sometimes, actually, the slowing is what you need, right? You need the slowing to actually encounter the glory. We also then see the slowdown, finally, in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, I'm going to read these first five verses of Acts chapter 1 just to give you a kind of context for what's going on. It states this, In the first book, O Theophilus, I, Luke, have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, is now writing his sequel of the book of Acts. So he says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself, that is Jesus, alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them uh, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts, once again, it's the sequel to Luke. Luke wrote both the gospel and Acts. And so the gospel is about what Jesus began to do and teach, as you saw from verse 1, which implies this, that the book of Acts is what Jesus continues to do and teach. Right? So how is the ministry of Jesus continued to be carried out in the book of Acts? Well, through the church, right? Through us. We carry out the ongoing ministry of Jesus, as we see uh, here, as it's implied here. But what then is necessary for his disciples? They must wait. They must wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't think God got the timing of all of this wrong. You think about it for a second. They had the wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So between Passover and Pentecost, there's 50 days. Right? Passover would have been Jesus' death, right? And then Pentecost would have been 50 days after that. So it would have been three days, right, until Jesus rose again from the dead. As the text says, there's 40 days that Jesus demonstrated himself before people, signs and proofs of his resurrection, right? And then he ascends to his father. How many days is left? But a week. It's about seven days that God's people are to wait. You may say, well, that's just, uh, you know, a coincidence. It just happens to me. God really wanted things to happen on Pentecost. I don't think God got it. I don't think God was like, oh, I took Jesus out of the game a little too early, didn't recognize the clock, you know, oh, that we have more minutes left in this game. Uh, I don't think God got it wrong. There was seven days of waiting because there was something important to that point. He was causing them to slow down. So what do they do for seven days? But they gather together in prayer. We're going to wait on the Lord. We're going to wait on the Lord. We're going to jump in the slow lane until God actually shows up, right? God is saying there is a power and a profound experience of the Father's love that can only come in the slowdown. I think God wants us to slow down for him that there's empowerment, there, there, there's experiences in his spirit, right, to be had. There's filling of his spirit. You can't be filled in, by the spirit in, in a hurry. It's something that has to come in the slowdown. Most will pass by this power because of unbelief, but there are others that pass it because they're in too much of a hurry to stop and wait. For the Lord. So finally, a third question. What is this discipline? How do we see it in Jesus' ministry? Finally, what, what then is the... When, when you look at these texts and you try to like grab the, uh, the reason for the slowing down effect, why is this so important that we slow down? Well, for our series... Right? As we go through it, the slowdown is intended, yes, to war against that hurriedness within us, that anxious, hurried heart. These simple discipline are uh, they're just they're just a way of saying no to the hurry, right? It's just a way to, to just war against the pace of the world. But there is far more, even as we've seen through those texts, there is far more purpose to the slowdown. Like God is to be found in the slowdown. God is to be encountered. And so the purpose of slowing, I would say, to kind of bring those texts and consolidate them down to a simple answer, the purpose of the slowing is for listening to God and learning how he desires us to love others. The slowdown 
is, is more so not to just say, oh, I got to deal with this anxious heart, but, but in a positive way, it's to say, God, speak to me. I want to slow down enough so I'm listening to you that I'm being aligned with your purposes in the moment. And if I'm aligned with your purposes in the moment, I know that I will be a conduit of your love to others. The whole purpose of slowing is to listen to God and then love others as he's calling me to. Remember, love, it can't, it can't be something that happens in a hurry. Love is patient, right? It takes time. It takes the slow down, right? So God showed me something of this this past week. It was uh, Tuesday, and uh, so I got up extra early for some time of just solitude with the Lord. I just wanted to stop and slow down and not do anything, but just kind of incline my heart and affections to the Lord. And so I'm waking up early, and so as I take a time of solitude, I'm also doing reading for this particular discipline of slowing. And so one of the, the, the encouragements from the book that I was reading was, you know, find the, the longest checkout line and get in it. And so, you know, I continue with my day, and, and it's like I, I got through that wonderful time with the Lord, and it was like life just Bam! It was just like lightning bolts, fast, fast, let's go, got to get the kids up and moving to, to school, and oh, this is coming up, and that's coming up, and so you're juggling multiple things in the morning, and this text message, and that text message, make sure you get back to that person, and you're going back and forth. This is this chaos moment, right? And you're, you're hauling off, trying to get the kids to, to school on time, then trying to get back here, and then I remember I didn't even eat anything, and so I'm swinging into Wawa real quick, and, you know, with all of this slowdown stuff in mind, and I swing open the door to Wawa, and, you know, I'm, like, tripping over my jaw because this line goes around that, you know, cashier console station place, past the, you know, the, the sandwich and veggie place, you know, where all that stuff is, back to the, the coffee stuff around the coffee stuff and then back down the the back aisle of Wawa. I'm in a hurry. I got people to meet. And I just stood there for a second. Like and I had to like okay, if I stand in this line, I'm going to be late. And then I'm I'm like and so I, I'm raging against God. God, you're Stupid, stupid disciplines of slowing. I don't want to deal with you right now. I don't want everything. I got stuff to do. And so I'm mad. I'm angry. I go grab the stupid sandwich, the bagel, sausage, egg thing, you know. And I go all the way back to where the coolers are, you know, because all the drinks. And you're all the way in the back. And you, you can barely see, you know, the cashier. And I'm mad and I'm frustrated. God, you didn't even give me an option here. This was the only line, and it was super long. And then all of a sudden, by the time the line came down past the coffee, there was an older black woman, and she is switching out the coffee. And she, thank you so much. Um, 
And she is singing a uh, Maverick City, Maverick City, yeah, Maverick City song. I forget which one it was. But she is under her breath speaking of the goodness of God and the fact that God still does miracles. And it was one of these weird things where, you know, you're, you're, you're standing there, you're raging against God, kind of like the, uh, the Peter illustration that I began with, you know. You're railing at God for the disciplines, you know, that he's trying to walk you down. And, and I am just fuming. And it was in that moment when I heard her singing that it was just like this. You know, chills come over you and you're just like, oh my goodness, God, you are watching me. <laughs> right? And it was to slow down and say, God, thank you. Like, going from raging against God, I'm frustrated with you because you call us to these stupid disciplines, to now just saying, oh, but you're in, you're in, Wawa. You're there. That you can confront me by the singing of some sister, right, behind the counter. You can confront me in your goodness in that moment. Isn't it worth the slowdown, Right? To slow down and just say, I actually, um, I was too overwhelmed in the moment to like say anything to her. And I, I've gone back since then to try to like find her, just to be like, thank you. you. You don't know what light you are, but you're a light. You're a light in Wawa just by singing a simple song under your breath with a little bit of step and you switch out the coffee. Folks, this is the purpose of slowing. It's to slow down enough to just say, all right, I'm, I'm going to unhurry myself from the pace of this world. I want Jesus to be my pace setter, the pace car of my life. And, and I want to be in the slowdown, not just to war against the hurry, but I want to be able to listen and take advantage of the moments where God is going to want to use me to love on others. I don't know if you realize this, but moments of ministry throughout your week are going to come in moments of great inconvenience. And if you're not willing to slow down, you will not only miss out on being a channel of God's manifest presence and power, but the person who is to receive it will not get it. We blaze past opportunities to see God put on display, to see his love brought to others. This discipline of slowing needs to be something that we just think about practice. Again, don't think, don't, don't let it overwhelm you. Hear Jesus just saying, come to me. <laughs> come to me. And even when you rage against him, right, to keep it in the forefront, he's, he's going to be calling you in. He's going to be showing up in ways that you may not think uh, to prove himself and to utilize you as an instrument of his love to others. May he do that. May he stir us to actively pursue these disciplines so that we might become more like him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you for your kindness to us that you would even permit us to continue what you have begun. Your ministry, your teaching, you began, but now you privilege it us with the, um, with the opportunity to continue that. And so, Lord, oftentimes I think just to be 
straight, Lord, even in my own life. I'm too focused on what has to happen next and the pace, just keeping up with the pace that I actually miss out on your voice, that I miss out on what you would want to do in those moments for the sake of others. So, Lord, don't allow our hearts to slow. Lord, I pray even this week that we would hear your kind and gentle voice saying, come to me, come to me. Lord, and wherever it is, whether it's at the Wawa, whether it's just riding down the road to work in the slow lane, um, Lord, would you show up in those moments? Would you speak to us? Would you well up truth into our minds in those moments that we would encounter you in the slowdown? Jesus, be our pace car. Be our pace setter. We are busy oftentimes like Martha, filling orders that you never put in and uh, just busy running for the next thing. So we pray, Lord, that you would grant us something of grace. But, oh, Lord, I pray for connection with you. I pray for connection with you. Lord, for those who have said, um, you know, I just can't hear the Lord. I just don't know what it feels like to incline my heart to the Lord. I don't know what it is to just kind of feel his gentle directions. Uh, Lord, I pray that that would change this week. Spirit of God, come move upon us in a way in which that becomes a normal thing, a normal thing. If you have chosen to dwell in us by your spirit, oh, it should be that we are hearing you, engaged with you in conversation, 24-7 kind of situation, that you are continually speaking to us. So Lord, may it, may it be. May it be that we find connection with you and become incredible conduits of your love to, to others. So lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was reminded of a story I've heard from, I think it was John Wimber that told the story. When he first became a believer, he was going to this Sunday school class and he was so excited to go every Sunday morning and set up the chairs for the Sunday school class. And he loved the teacher of this Sunday school class. And so one Sunday morning, he was driving down the highway and he sees a broken down vehicle on the side of the road with a man standing there. And he thought, I should stop and help the, the man. And then his next thought was, I need to get to church so I can set up the chairs for Sunday school. And... Um, he, 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 he bypassed the man on the side of the road, and he got to the church, and he set up all the chairs, and then it was time for class to start, and the teacher didn't show up. And everyone was there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and the teacher didn't show up for almost an hour. And when he walked in, he had dirt and grease all over his clothes, and he said, I'm so sorry I'm late. I had to stop and help someone who's broken down. And uh, man, that story just stuck with me. That, that right there is the discipline of slowing. It's seeking out those opportunities of ministry um, to love others who are in need of not just help, but who are in need of Jesus. And so as we close, uh, we're just going to sing one song. I had two up there, but we're going to sing You Are My All in All. The Lord is our strength when we are weak, and He is the treasure that we seek. Um, so that's, that's my prayer for us as we leave today and consider this discipline of slowing, that Christ would be the treasure we're seeking, 
And as we slow down, that we see these opportunities and we go after them. I'm not worried about getting to the next thing, but being most concerned with doing the thing Jesus wants us to do. So would you guys, we'll, let's just stand together and we're going to, it's an old chorus. I think you guys know it. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus. you first. And so Lord, my prayer as we as we close and dismiss for today is that if there are individuals who need to come and receive the grace of ministry, um, that they would not be in a hurry to move on to the next thing, but that they would seek you and seek the ministry that comes through the prayers of your people. And so if that's you, please stick around and receive prayer ministry. Um, and for the rest of us, my prayer, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, is that we would walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling of Jesus. Specifically, he says, with humility and patience, bearing with one another in love. So I pray that as we leave here, 
we walk in a manner worthy of our Savior Jesus with humility and patience, seeking to bear one another's burdens. Grace and peace, you guys are dismissed. <laughs>